You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, the UFC has returned to the Lone Star State for the first time in 15 months, and a new lightweight champion is set to be crowned tomorrow night at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, as we welcome you to the UFC 262 preview show here on MMAfighting.com, going back to the old school ahead of this pay-per-view extravaganza. I am Mike Hack being joined by our boots on the ground in Houston, Mr. Jose Youngs. And Jose, we are 24 or so hours away from this event firing off, a lightweight championship main event, an intriguing co-main event at 155. A lot of potential movement in a number of divisions could go down tomorrow night. You're in Houston. You've, you've been around the peeps. What's the excitement level like in the city wow. on the eve of this event? I would say compared to Jacksonville, I can actually, this feels like a fight week. This feels like a big fight. This feels like a big fight week card uh, that I have everywhere we, I go. There's people like, there's people here for the UFC specifically from all over the country. Uh, I ran into a couple of people who drove from Virginia just to watch Nate Diaz fight. And I broke the news to them. that Nate Diaz was not on this card anymore. And they were like, <laughs> F it. We're still go. We're still going. We're Tony Ferguson fans. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, uh, what you can't see is like right in front of me. They have like the UFC Fan Expo, and I, there's a line of at least 500 people. The what you didn't see at the ceremonial weigh-ins was uh, on a, uh, a convention center floor at capacity. It was unbelievable. They opened the doors, and fans literally sprinted to seats to get better views. Uh, this Jacksonville was fun. It was exciting at the fight card, but just the environment of the entire week. This feels a lot bigger, and I can feel the actual excitement in the air from the fans in Houston, as opposed to Jacksonville. Well, let us start with the big one. Bifanda Habib Nurmagomedov is on to a new chapter in his life and career. He's had a hell of a year as a coach already. Has been in the news for a good chunk of 2021 thus far. Will he come back? Will he not come back? Is he really done? Turns out he was really done, as most of us suspected. But now we have Charles Oliveira, who has won eight fights in a row, set to make his 28th walk to the octagon getting his first UFC title shot taken on the former Bellator champion, Michael Chandler, who's getting his first UFC title shot in just his second promotional appearance. So we get two longtime vets with tremendous resumes getting to battle it out for, and I think it's fair to say, the most prestigious title in mixed martial arts tomorrow night. So regardless of where folks have these guys ranked on their personal lists, 
This is a tremendous main event tomorrow night for the gold, is it not? Oh, yeah. I don't care if this is for the gold. I don't care if it's for number one contender. I don't care if it would be for an interim title. I don't care because this fight is a high-level martial arts competition, and that's all I care about right now. Michael Chandler is one of, if not the best lightweights in the world. He was for a long time the best fighter not on the UFC roster. Now he's on the UFC roster, and he gets Dan Hooker, who was a deserving opponent. Now he gets Charles Oliveira, who is a stalwart of, the, of two divisions. Uh, fought at featherweight, came up to lightweight. You said it, like, what, 28 walks? Has all sorts of records. Uh, he's still in the prime of his physical career because he debuted when he was like 20 years old. We saw this man grow up in the octagon. His first UFC card, John Jones wasn't even the champion. John Jones was headlining against Vladimir Matsuchenko. So that's how long Charles Oliveira has been in this in this promotion. So it's a tale of two journeys. Like like you said, Michael Chandler kicks in the door and gets a title fight in his second fight. And Charles Oliveira went through hellfire to get to this title shot. So I don't care if there's for gold. I don't care if people say, hey, this is for the Dustin Poirier belt. I don't care what they say. I am so fascinated and excited by this matchup specifically. And I think it is an absolutely tremendous main event. And I'm so excited that it is five rounds. You've got to see them both in person. I, for, just from a distance, I love how both of these guys have carried themselves thus far in the builds of this fight. Like Charles Oliveira, looks like a superstar with the suits and the sunglasses and the confidence and the platinum hair, the swagger. And Michael Chandler like always comes off as a top guy, like love him or hate him. The man gets it. He is a media darling. And on top of being a fighter, that man could make a ton of money touring the globe, doing public speaking appearances. And as cliche as it sounds, and I know this is classic Dana Whiteism right here, but the timing is perfect for this, for this fight. These guys are making the best of this opportunity. And that face-off, Jose? Good Lord, Ooh. man. This fight's awesome. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what anyone else would have expected. I mean, Michael Chandler exudes confidence and inten intensity. And Charles Oliveira is as game as they come. Like He's seen everything in this sport. He's fought a who's who at 145 and 155. So uh, he's not afraid of Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is clearly not afraid of him. These two guys just want to prove that they're the best. And this is one of those fights that there's no trash talk needed. And that's what I kind of define as a high-level martial arts competition. Like, they might not have to do media at all. If they just showed up to fight, that I would still care about this fight based on their resume. And I like how you said Michael Chandler could tour giving motivational speeches and everything because someone once told me that Michael Chandler speaks in T-shirt slogans, and that's all I can think about <laughs> now whenever I hear him talk. Uh, you know, just these, like, one-liners <laughs> that you would probably see on a fortune cookie. I'm like, yeah, Michael Chandler could probably talk someone into jumping off a bridge. Uh, and Charles Oliveira will go in there and save him. So it is what it is. I'm very excited about this fight. And, I, again, don't I, I can't express how excited I am to see these two men inside the octagon once again uh, and throw down. And they are both very deserving of the spot that they, are, they have found themselves in. When I look at this fight from a stylistic perspective, it's really tough to call because both guys can finish. Both guys can stand. I mean, Oliveira's striking has improved immensely during this incredible run he's been on. And Chandler just has that one punch life altering power. And both guys have shown that they can finish the fight on the ground as well. Obviously, Oliveira is the more decorated jujitsu practitioner. But Chandler has never been submitted in his entire career. It really is a fascinating matchup, Jose. And if you book this fight every month for the next two years, I feel like we'd see a different fight every single time. So what's like the burning question or two questions you have heading into tomorrow night in regards to this title fight? 
Uh, my biggest question is how will Charles Oliveira uh, fare when it gets into rounds four and five, if it makes it into rounds four and five, because he's fought in main events before, but it's never gotten to those championship rounds. And he's very, he has very good reactionary jujitsu. Like he'll hurt you against the fence or he'll hurt you standing or he'll hurt you in the clinch. And then while you're dazed, he can lock on a choke standing and snap you down or you shoot in for a lazy takedown because you're hurt. He can just grab your neck and choke you out. So uh, just because you're trying, just because he closes the gap and you're on your feet is by no means are you out of danger from getting submitted by Charles Oliveira. And with Michael Chandler, I want to know what it's like when he faces someone of, of Charles Oliveira's caliber of grappling. Because like I said, I asked Michael Chandler at the press conference. Historically, he does very well against high-level Brazilian black belt black belts uh brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts and i just but no one that michael chandler has fought is as dangerous as charles Oliveira. and like you said charles Oliveira has looked incredible on the feet uh he can hurt you and then snap you down and choke you out he's a man that if you give him one second of you committing an error charles Oliveira will take advantage of that michael chandler does not make a lot of errors so this is just going to be a violent chess match and i am very curious to see who comes out on top because that Michael Chandler knock at Dan Hooker was amazing, but that setup was pretty rudimentary. And why is it rudimentary? I'm not, that's not a knock on Michael Chandler whatsoever. He just set it up very well. It was jab, jab, jab. And they came in with an overhand uh, and he caught Dan Hook cold. So uh, I don't think Charles Oliveira will make that mistake, but we've seen Charles Oliveira give up or quote unquote, like his body's given out of him as, as high a level of grapplers. He is, he's been submitted a few times. He's been finished a few times. He's missed weight a bunch of times. So uh, we've seen him, uh, tap out and get knocked out, finished, and not make weight. So I'm curious to see if this Charles Oliveira is, is is mentally strong to compete with somebody of Michael Chandler's mental fortitude. And there's a million questions I have. I have, and I am again. I just can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of have the same question about both guys. If it gets in the third, fourth, fifth rounds, I mean, I know Oliveira hasn't been to, like in this inside the championship rounds before. But he got into the third in his last two fights, and he looked pretty damn fresh to me. Got the finish against Kevin Lee. Yeah. Then the Tony Ferguson fight, he looked great in that round. And, you know, Chandler's gone five rounds before, but that man is a piston, man. Like, yeah. as soon as that fight starts, he just comes out like a cannonball. Fifth gear. So I'm curious if we will see a more composed Michael Chandler or if he's just going to go out there and put a ton of pressure on Oliveira, get on the offensive, and try to break his will and look for that big shot early. Those questions and more, obviously, Jose will be answered tomorrow night, including... Who will be the new lightweight champion of the world, Jose? Who will it be, in your humble opinion? Uh, I picked Michael Chandler when this fight was first announced, and I've gone back and forth. And I don't want to be a wishy-washy individual, so I'll just stick with my original pick, and I'll say Michael Chandler. Uh, I don't know if he gets it done inside five. He, as we, he's shown, has been able to go five rounds and just kind of uh, smush a decision out of someone. He, he says his style of wrestling is more anti-jujitsu, which is a fair assessment. Uh, I don't. I think he'll be. Uh, he he's his camps in Sanford MMA is clicking on such a level right now that I think he's ready. He is obviously he trains with Gilbert Burns, who's an incredibly high-level grappler. So I don't think Charles is going to have anything that he hasn't seen. It's just a matter of like I said, if Michael Chandler makes one mistake against Charles Oliveira, it's going to be a rough night for him. Same thing with Charles Oliveira. And I just think Charles Oliveira has left himself open for a few too many shots in the past. And so I'm basing my decision solely off of uh, past past fights that I've witnessed from these two. But again, Charles Oliveira has obviously grown as a man and a fighter. Whether those those windows are open against someone like Michael Chandler, I don't know. But I picked Michael Chandler to begin with. I'm going to stick with it. Normally, and, and I know you agree with me on this, when it's a close fight for a title like this, I always 
revere back to to be the man yeah. you gotta beat the man mentality yeah. and we don't really have that here and the other is sort of like where that little bit of destiny is siding with and you can make a strong argument for both of these guys that destiny's yeah. on their side so that's out so third for me i go with my gut and my gut is telling me that the fight will get extended into the championship rounds and that chandler is gonna have to play some catch-up down the stretch so with that said I will slightly lean towards Oliveira to win. I don't know if he finishes. So that plus 650 Oliveira by decision line looks pretty enticing right now. So I do think if a finish comes, it will be Chandler finishing Oliveira probably inside the first two rounds. But I think Oliveira will be able to weather that early nasty storm, hang on and get a close decision. But man, this is a really tough fight to call. As is the co-main event, Jose. We get Tony Ferguson looking to get back in the win column for the first time in almost two years. And he takes on a man who hasn't lost in over three years in Benil Dariush. Dariush has been cruising along since the loss to Alexander Hernandez. He's won six in a row. Finally, and he's been asking for it for a while. He gets a shot at a top five opponent, a guy with a big name, former interim champion in Tony Ferguson. So your thoughts on this co-main event and what is at stake for both of these guys tomorrow night? Well, obviously, a lot more is at stake for Tony Ferguson. If he loses, it's three in a row, and if he, if that's the case, then we really have to put him in that category that we kind of we talked we discussed with Dominic Reyes after the Jerry loss. Like at one point, we thought Dominic Reyes was the best light heavyweight. At one point, a lot of people thought that Tony Ferguson might be the best lightweight. That question's already obviously been answered. Habib's the best. Tony's now on a two fight losing skid, losing to Justin Cage, losing to Chalavares. Nothing to hang your hat at because those just. He just maybe lost to better competition. 37, 38-year-old Tony Ferguson. Time maybe just caught up with him. Uh, but if he loses to Charles, if he loses to Benil Darius, who's obviously a little lower ranked, uh, I'm not saying by any means that Tony's going to get cut, but I think that's the end of Tony possibly being a title contender for, in, for a little bit anyway. He'll still get big fights because he's a big name. He's a big fan favorite. Because if you saw the, the convention center for the ceremonial weigh-ins of the press conference, it was 100% Tony Ferguson fans. Benil Darius got the most boos. Out of anyone. And Benil Dariu spends his off days building orphanages in Haiti. And Tony Ferguson's breaking his students' ribs. So that's the man you're going to boo and that's the man you're going to cheer. That just shows you how popular Tony Ferguson is. I am picking Benil Dariush, though, just because I picked him when this fight was first announced. I'm going to stick with it. I do think we're going to see a very high action, very exciting fight. Tony Ferguson's style of fighting clearly feeds off of the crowd. Uh, Benil Darius, I'm not saying he was shook whatsoever, but he was very perplexed by the whole Sarah, the press conference thing. He just seems like maybe out of his element. I don't know. Uh, everyone might seem out of their element against Tony Ferguson because he's speaking pretty much another language when he's up there just talking. And you're just like, what words are you even saying, my guy? But I am sticking with Benil Darius, Kings MMA, uh, clicking right now. Uh, Tony's an awesome fighter. Could he win? Yes, obviously, clearly. He might be the second, third best light, lightweight ever. I saw, I've seen the line flip-flop a lot. At one point, I saw Tony Ferguson was the underdog. So if I'm a betting man and Tony Ferguson is the underdog in any stretch of the imagination, put all your money on Tony Ferguson. But if I'm just picking who wins and who loses, I'm going to pick Benil Darius. Yeah, right now, Benil Darius, minus 155 favorite, plus 145 to come back on Tony Ferguson. And look, every fighter will tell you, Jose, you've interviewed enough of them at this point. Every fight is a must-win fight, but this is like the definition of a must-win for Tony Ferguson. Two straight one-sided losses. The guy's very exciting. He's a personality, to say the least. He's going back to kind of the old-school ways with his training. I like how he's going back to the basics with his boxing with Freddie Roach. He's trying to clean some things up. I think that's smart for this fight. And one thing we know about Benil Dariush is that if it goes to the judges' scorecards 100% of the time, it's not going against Benil Dariush. There's been a draw sure. mixed in there, but... 
When he loses, he loses big, whether it's to Hernandez or Edson Barboza, the submission loss to Michael Chiesa. So I think Ferguson is going to have to get a finish to win this fight. And Darius is technically sound, but he can be super sneaky with those low percentage power strikes and spinning stuff. And as wild as Ferguson can be in and out of the octagon, I kind of think he can use that to his advantage here. I think there's a method to Tony's madness, like at the press conference trying to rattle Darius. And while I believe this lot, this fight is lined properly right now, I feel like Ferguson just needs this one a lot more than Darius does. So with that said, I got a feeling, man, I'm leaning towards Tony Ferguson to have not only a, a victory, but one of those performances where we're like, all right, maybe Tony's losing to the elite of the elite in this division, but he's still one of the five best 155 pounders in the world. I think it's a, the fight of the night for as long as it lasts, but I feel like Tony Ferguson could come out of this event as one of the big talking points for the next several days with how he performs. This is a great matchup. I feel like there's a couple of, there's even a couple of main card fights, Jose, that sort of fit the under the radar mold on this 262 bill before we wrap up. So what fight, fighter, or storyline sticks out to you outside of the two big ones that we just talked about? On the main card or just the card in general? Whatever you want, my man. Well, I'm obviously really like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be Jed Mishu and pick a fight <laughs> that is clearly not under the radar. So I'm not gonna say like, oh, everyone has to tune in for Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa. That's an underdog for a banger. Like, no, that fight is clearly gonna be a banger. That should be on the shortlist for fight of the night, performance of the night, whatever you want to say. That, as Shane Burgos said, there is a zero percent chance that fight is boring. No, I'm not gonna pull the Jed and pretends like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to pick, like, obviously, the Lando Venata-Mike Grundy fight is awesome. Mike Grundy is a very high-level wrestler from England, no less. How many times are you going to use those words in the same sentence? Uh, and then Lando Venata dropping to 145. Like, I think, what, the Tamer fight is the only fight he's really fought where he was his opponent and him were the same size. Now, Lando made way, it seems, with ease, because what you guys didn't see at the official way is he was standing off to the side, shadow boxing. He had a ton of energy. He looked in great form, great shape. Uh, he's obviously training at Jackson's, one of their other schools in, in, in New Mexico. So uh, I am so, so, so curious about that fight. Obviously, the the Count Jakagian, uh, Vivian Arujo fight is a fantastic one. Catelyn was very honest with her assessment, saying, it does, I'm in a weird position. I'm the number two fighter in the division. I'm not going to get a title shot anytime soon. If Vivian Arujo wins, I'm not saying she's going to get the title shot because I, I think Lauren Murphy, the winner of Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calder would deserve that. But Vivian Arujo is one of those few fighters that Valentina hasn't fought at 125 pounds yet, so that's another fresh matchup. And then Matt Schnell is the only Houston native on this card. He trains here, and he was he was giving like the the one the rundown on the local MMA scene. He's clearly a popular figure. He got a big pop. His opponent Rodrigo Bontadin missed weight. Unfortunately, it is a 135, and everyone assumes because these are flyweights now fighting at bantamweight because of the last minute change of opponents that they both make weight with ease. Not the case. Uh, but there's a ton of fun fights, a ton of exciting matchups, and I think this is a fight that fight card that people are going to have to tune in from the get-go. And, of course, I can't skip over my man Sean Soriano, pride of Rhode Island. We get very few high-level mixed martial artists from the smallest state in the country, so when we do get one in one of these big leagues like UFC or Bellator, I can't not talk about it. So Mount Pleasant's own Sean Soriano makes his long-awaited return to the UFC. Yes, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Obviously, I love the Burgos Barboza fight. Everybody loves it. This is not the flying under the radar fight by any means. <laughs> I think I actually think Shane Burgos is in a prime spot to have a showcase performance against a big name, a well-respected name in Edson Barboza. But 
I agree with you. The, the low key fighter on this entire card to watch in my eyes is Viviani Arujo. And yes, we're all looking at Murphy Calderwood as the potential number one contender fight at 125 to face Valentina next. But Vivi Araujo is the wild card in all of this right now. We've seen it before, Jose. If you can go out there and beat Caitlin Chukagian, if you go out there and finish her, that is a massive statement in this division. Chukagian obviously is a tough out, and if Araujo decides to have a kickboxing battle with her, it is not going to go well for her. But if she can get in attack mode and put the pressure on Caitlin Chukagian, things could get really interesting tomorrow night. Could be uh, up for an upset. So with all that being said, I think this women's flyweight bout is my under-the-radar fight overall, and Vivian Rujo is the low-key fighter to watch. But we shall see if uh, if our picks hold true tomorrow night. As Jose says, we got to wait till we get into the octagon. And for those looking for the viewer experience to discuss this card, we get you covered tomorrow with the People's Pre-Fight Show. Kick it off 45 minutes or so before the card begins, and it's all you guys and gals the entire way leading the conversation. So until then, Jose, get some rest, my man. Get yourself some barbecue. And enjoy it, my oh, friend. Enjoy the warm got, weather. Got, got that done for lunch. My God, a bunch of media <laughs> went out for lunch. This place called The Pit, whatever. Like 100 bucks, you get your body weight and meat. There <laughs> so you go. So a bunch of us just, pit, uh, just pulled together and just got a bunch of meat pile of meat and just ate it. <laughs> well, rest it off and uh, let that digest, my man. So for Jose uh, in Houston, I am Mike Heck. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow night, everybody. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.